It's August 7th on the ConstantInvestor.com. I'm Buffy Gorilla, and I'm speaking with curious investor, Dr. Jonathan Ramachandran, who's based in Western Australia. Thanks for joining me, Jonathan. So tell me a little bit about your background and how you found yourself in Western Australia. Uh, so, good question. So, you, we um, moved to Western Australia from Malaysia when I was 10. And I'm 37 now, so we've been in Australia for a number of years. And you can tell by my accent, I don't have any uh, Malaysian accent, <laughs> which is cool. Uh, we've, um, I've done all my schooling in, Australia, uh, in WA, but I did medical school in Sydney. And that's where we, um, uh, I really fell in love with doing rural medicine. So I moved to, after I finished med school, I moved to Tamworth in New South Wales and did my first three or three years of doctoring there. And then we moved back to Perth because um, we had our first son. And we, I did further training in Perth and then we moved down to Albany, uh, which is about 450 k south of Perth. And that's where I, I work as a country GP now. And what about the country GP and being a country doctor appeals to you? I, I think um, it's, it's a good question. I think that I, when I was uh, working in Perth, I was on track to become a, a specialist uh emergency doctor or an or an anesthetist but I, I really enjoyed um, talking to my patients and really seeing um, having a long-term relationship and but I also loved doing lots of different things and being a country doctor allows me at the moment so I, I work in the hospital um, and do anesthetics there and I work in the in the practice and see patients but I also do a lot of aged care and palliative care. So I get to do a variety of different work. So that's really what attracted me to being a rural GP. And what do you see kind of as your future? Will you continue to be a country GP or is there a big city move on the horizon? <laughs> we, uh, we just got back from the city uh, yesterday. Uh, me and my wife had a kid-free weekend. And um, it's very appealing. There's lots of good food and restaurants and, and things. But um, it, there's something unique about being in the country and serving here. As well, it might sound counterintuitive, but in, in medicine, uh, my, my career is progressed further uh, here in the country as it would do in the city because um, I've got more of a, a stronger voice from the country um, we get to involved in in things in committees and in action groups and in um, I mean I, I sit on a board of directors for uh, GP training and I'm a country representative so I think um, it's been good uh, in this early part of my career to advance but not sure about the future but we'll see how our boys grow up and what they need uh, and if we do need to go to the the city we, we will but um, at the moment we're enjoying um, our lifestyle here. And so you said you were 37 and you yes. are, so you're relatively young. So where are you on your investment journey? Yeah, I think having listened to um, this, uh, this particular portion of the constant investor, most of the people are a bit older than me <laughs> and have retired. I'm nowhere near retirement uh, at the moment. You'll be um, happy I, to know that we yeah. interviewed a millennial today. This morning, oh, did you? so yes, yeah, so you oh, you youngsters are starting to come out of the woodwork. So, thank oh, you. Awesome. Um, I think it started when I had my first super account when um I started working when I was uh, I think fifteen sixteen and 
um, that I saw grow over time. And I only really had a real job when I started working as um, when I was 25 as a doctor. I was at uni for a while. And um, it was good earning money. And um, we wanted, because we were newly married, we wanted to save a house deposit. So I think it's really started when I was about 26, about 10 years ago. Um, and we started with saving for a house, building super, and it was good being dual income with no kids. We did spend a lot of money um, having fun, but it doesn't last very long. <laughs> the having fun or the money? <laughs> uh, having fun and having money. So I think we we learnt a lot of. Um, I read I read a tweet the other day which said um, it was from Morgan Housel. He's a right. I think um, Alan's um, linked to an article, and I started following him. He said um, the keys to being rich, well, to being um, well, I, oh, I can't remember what he said. Well, being wealthy, uh, to have one wife, uh, one car, and one house, <laughs> and live within your means. <laughs> and I think um, I, I've got a good partner in my wife. And um, together we both realised that if we wanted to uh, pay our house, house off quicker, we needed to adhere to a budget, live within our means. And I think the biggest thing with doctors is that doctors earn a lot of money, but they they spend a lot, but they don't tend to keep a lot. And the keeping is the key uh, to becoming wealthy. And we learned that early on, maybe in the first couple of years of having two incomes, that we needed to start keeping more than we were spending. And so in addition to your super, are you actively investing or is all your surplus income going to paying down your house? Uh, yeah. So um, that, that comes into like strategy. So I think, um, so we have, what we do with our money is um, we, whenever it comes in, we, we have really kind of um, a strict way of looking at it. So it's almost automatic. We don't even need to think about it. We, we give first and so we tithe. Um, to our local church, and then we we give um, a proportion of our money away, uh, and then we invest a certain proportion. At the moment, I think it's um, 12%, and that is into um, shares that um, Alan has shared about that we read, but mostly into index funds and and got a good amount of cash because um, I I essentially work for myself, and if I uh, don't work, I don't have any um, sick leave. So we have enough money saved up for about six months' worth of um, living expenses. And then we live on the rest and the, um, the, any, and we try to pay our mortgage off at a higher rate so we can pay it off within um, less than 10 years. And is your wife active in your investing in your listed funds choices or does she leave that up to you? <laughs> it's funny. Um, she, in, in the past, I think when you're married, you learn after many arguments that um, you have to communicate better. And um, we used to have a rule that we didn't talk about money after eight o'clock at night, but we don't anymore because um, we've got kids. So um, we, <laughs> we, we've learned to push that rule aside because we don't get time until eight. But um, we, so what I, so she um, is really good because Kylie has a budget in which we've been following since medical school. So that's like, gosh, that's 2002. What is it now? Like 15 years. Um, and um, so, and that's changed over time because you earn more money. 
Um, and we adhere to that really, um, really closely. And the surplus money, we um, so she does understand what's absolutely understand. She's got a, ba- a business degree, and she absolutely understands um, what what we're doing. So we do it together. That's an excellent partnership. And do you go back and review, say, the budget from 2002 and say, remember when we used to have all that fun and we could go out for cocktails? <laughs> well, the thing is, the difference now and then is we have um, uh, more money, mm. but we have less time to, to, to use it. <laughs> then we had all the time in the world and we had, um, I was a uni student and Kylie supported me for many years. Um, and so, yeah, we often do. But you know, it's a little things, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. So have you had any mentors that have given you financial advice? Where did this, you know, drive for budgeting really, really come from? Um, I think it came from when we moved out of home. We uh, It actually came from my wife. I mean, Kylie, when I used to manage the finances and we never had any money left at the end of the month. And so um, she is me managing our finances and I get an allowance every week. That's very generous of her. (laughs) (laughs) It used to be $50 and now it's only $25. And so, but I don't get a chance to spend it because of work and everything I need is here. But um, I think that drive came from her parents. And if we want to look broadly, um, her parents have done very well. Um, So Rob and Sue uh, will be 17 next year and they're self-funded retirees. And they only ever had a mortgage and never had a credit card. And they lived well within their means and raised three girls very well. So a lot of our um, our mentorship comes from them, um, as well as my parents. I think my parents gave us the mentorship around giving and being generous. Um, I think you have more so you can give more. I think that's really the purpose of having money. It's not really about – it is about being comfortable, but you should give. You know, um, because then when you give, it, it, it does something inside of you that nothing else does, you know. So I think uh, both, yeah, sorry. Oh, no, I was saying it sounds like you've done an excellent job of blending both of your upbringings into your financial outlook. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, and now we can see um, um, both our parents, I mean, both our parents are doing well. Um, Kylie's parents, though, um, have made a lot of good financial decisions. My parents, when they came to Australia, they had to start from scratch at about in, um, in their late mid to late 40s. Um, and they're catching up now. But, um, yeah, they did really um, give us mentorship around that. But I think as well, um, I can't really think of anyone else other than our family that have instill those values inside of us. And you're a pretty prolific blogger. Um, you can get a plug-in for your blog now, um, it, which is quite impressive that you have time to do that. And I noticed that you have written about your favorite finance book. Can you tell the listeners about what book has inspired you? That's, um, so I think I, we sent you a link. Um, it, it's the book. The book is called The Millionaire Next Door, and I, I bought this. I got this book when I was in my mid twenties, when I um, just about to become a doctor. Uh, and it's written by Thomas J. Stanley, and he passed away a couple of years ago. I was quite sad, um, but I've got it here, and I look at it constantly. Um, I think the main thing that grabbed me was um, that he portrayed two different doctors, and I could see those two different doctors in my life. Um, the one, and one of them 
earns a lot of money. They both earn the same amount of money, but um, one had a lot of toys and big house and sent his kids to private schools and really looked like a doctor, but um, didn't have a lot of um, net um, assets or um, uh, wealth, whereas the other one um, had a very prudent wife and together they um, they still use coupons in the American way um, and they they had quite significant wealth because they lived well within their means. And so I think that's, that story uh, struck a chord with me early on and that um, you could become a millionaire um, and you didn't need to have a high-paying job. You would just need to be very careful about the way you lived in terms of your house and car and food and where you set your kids and where you um, and what you spent your money on. So I think it was very important. Uh, there's a lesson that's timeless, really. And are you passing that lesson on to your three boys? Uh, <laughs> we are. Um, definitely, I think we, we teach them the, the principles that we like to, to tithe and to, um, to save and to use their money to live within their means. And as well, I mean, we, we chose to live where we live now in Albany. Um, it isn't a fancy area. It's a very comfortable area, but it's certainly not where all the doctors live. Um, not, not many people, not, not many of my colleagues live around here. They tend to live um, by the, by the water or live, um, in bigger properties. And we wanted to buy something that we could pay off really quickly. And I think, um, and we live around, um, I think people who are probably millionaires, like the plumbers and, and, or the, um, the mid-level manager, um, which, um, Thomas, Stanley talks about in his book who are really the true millionaires because they don't need to appear rich. They just need to get on with the job. And what's your investment goal? Uh, that's a good question. I think um, at the moment it's to to pay off our house and to not have any debt. But to, um, I think my wife is less stressed about this than I am. I think because she knows, uh, because she probably handles the figures on a day-to-day basis. But I think it is to make sure that we have enough in retirement. Um, but at the same time, um, compound, um, you know, cash in um, shares outside of super through um, investing in, in good quality companies and also index funds. And and also maybe for that to, to provide a um, an any income for us as we get older, so we can do things that we really love to do, like write and um, go on mission trips or you know mentor other people. I think that's really what my wife and I would like to do as we get older. That sounds like a great goal and a perfect place to say thank you very much, Dr. Ramachandran, for your time. Thank you, Buffy, for have, for having me. This is Buffy Gorilla on theconstantinvestor.com. And if you would like to share your story with us, please feel free to email us at hello at theconstantinvestor.com.